Welcome back to Rewind with Living Dead. I am Damon Martin. And I'm Patrick Guerra. And Patrick, tonight we officially say goodbye to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise after oh. reviewing every single movie that's been made. I can't believe we've gotten through. I can't believe we're at the end, and I'm a little sad about that. Yeah, it's kind of weird. This is our first uh, official franchise that we've tackled on the show. Of course, we've tackled uh, you know a lot of movies on the show. We've tackled sequels on the show. But this is the first time we've gone through an entire horror franchise, and it was funny. We talked about this off-air last week. I was like, man, like this is a big one. I was like, you know, of course there's other big ones like Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. Then I started thinking, I was like, well, there's a lot more than just that in horror because then you start getting into Leprechaun and, and Child's Play and, <laughs> and the Conjuring universe. So there are a lot of franchises in horror. I was like, man, we're going to run through these pretty quick, but really we're not. No, we're not. I'm not looking forward to going through Leprechaun. I can, <laughs> I can keep pushing that over the years. I don't need Leprechaun in my life yet. But I did need Texas Chainsaw. Like, uh, I, again, I, we've said it a million times. We said it even before we were doing the franchise uh, series. Texas Chainsaw is like heads and tails above a lot of horror films and a lot of films in general. It's one of my highest ranked films of all time for me personally. So it was crazy to get into it. And I remember at the beginning – of all this, we we talked about like, man, this is going to be a different road than something like Friday the 13th or A Nightmare on Elm Street or, or Halloween. It just takes a completely different path. I mean, they all divert and they all get weird at some point. And we're eventually going to talk about some franchises, other franchises as well. But Texas Chainsaw, something about just making this incredible break in time, like having an amazing movie come out in 1974. And then taking 12 years to ever reboot it, I think I think something about that, something about not trying to just cash in on a franchise, makes this like wholly unique in the horror franchise arena. Yeah, it does because something we talked about before is you know most most franchises you know there's a through line. You can talk about where one movie leads to the next, that leads to the next, and even even loosely speaking, there's some connection. You know, between yeah. the between the films, and it's beyond just the the killer. I mean, obviously, you get you know Friday the Thirteenth. I mean, you don't even get to Jason until the second movie, really, uh, which right. is when that franchise really takes off. And you don't get to the to the hockey mask until the third movie, which we've obviously reviewed on the show before. So there's no, you know, but the, but ultimately, Jason is the guy. Jason, you know, follows that line, and and there are continuations from movie to movie for most of the Friday the Thirteenth movies. But Texas Chainsaw just took such a weird and bizarre turn because you go from, you know, part one, which, as you mentioned, is an all-time classic, one of the greatest horror films of all time and one of the greatest films of all time. And then you go to part two, which is 12 years later, also directed by Toby Hooper. But, you know, he, he specifically said he didn't want to make the same kind of movie. And so he definitely made a much different movie. Uh, and then after that, you know, you could loosely connect part three, you can very loosely connect part four, and then they get to, you know, a remake, and then a, a, a prequel of the remake, and then that goes away, and then you get another sequel based solely on the original film, and then a, and then a prequel to that, so it's a really weird line, I mean, you got two prequels, which, you know, I mean, none of the other series really have, I mean, that in and of itself is, is unique to Texas Chainsaw, but then you actually sure. have a remake and a prequel to the remake which is also bizarre <laughs> if you took just the, the the remake which is the jessica beale reboot and uh texas the beginning which is the 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 prequel to that remake 
if you took those out of it and you just looked at Texas Chainsaw, Texas 2, Leatherface, Texas 3, uh, and Next Generation, um, and then and then uh, Texas Chainsaw 3 and Leatherface, if you just looked at those movies, interestingly enough, what's hap- what happens after Texas 2 is that every movie from that point on tries to be the sequel to the original. Yeah. Like every movie from that point on, which is unprecedented. You'll never run into that in any of the other franchises, as far as I know. Someone out there, some serious like film nerd will be like, I'm sorry, it's actually this, this franchise did it like 20 years earlier or something. But this franchise, aside from that little reboot time, which, which kind of was during the time of the reboots in general in cinema, Aside from those little reboots, every single film in this series is trying to compete as the follow-up to the original. All of them, and yeah. except for like Leatherface 2017, is but in in my mind is still trying to tie itself to the original film. No other franchise does that. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird how they do that with this, and like even in my really weird attempt to explain how this franchise plays out, you know, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, just. It's such a weird twist, and the only you know the only through line, as I keep calling it, the only connection between any of these movies is Leatherface, the actual character yeah. Leatherface. I mean, even beyond that, none of the other characters appear. I mean, you know, obviously you go from one to two, and there's a connection there with both you know Drayton Sawyer and and Leatherface, and then of course you know you go to three, and once again it's Leatherface, and and I guess Grandpa appears in you know certain versions of all those movies, but yeah, yeah. it's just weird like how, how different this franchise. You know, the twists and turns and how there wasn't a, a connection because it's weird like in modern times now that we have like a connected film universe especially in let's say comic books with you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe when you look at something like that now that that has been established now that those those kind of films and the success of those films have been established you gotta imagine the next you know phase of movie making even with horror is going to be that connected universe, kind of what The Conjuring has done. Even though they've gone back and they've gone forward and they've kind of you know gone into like a little bit alternate split with Annabelle, they're all connected. They're all you know they're all of the same universe, and and, and so I feel like we're going to get more of that in horror, uh, and we're not going to really see as much of the Texas Chainsaw uh, ideology, I guess, where it just really splits off and splinters. And, and again, there's really no connectivity between any of the films, uh, between, you know, outside of a couple of things. Cause again, there's, there's just a, a horror lends itself to being a great, a great franchise material, but, but Texas Chainsaw went in so many weird directions that not only a, is it hard to keep up, but also B, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Like you couldn't tell someone go watch part one, and then immediately watch part two, and it's really going to make sense. Because even though part two is Toby Hooper, and and you and I both, for the most part, praised that movie. I mean, there were definitely things we didn't like about that movie, but for the most part, we praised part two. I really still don't feel like it's a true sequel, because it's so different than the original. And obviously, it's Toby Hooper, it's his vision, so I appreciate that, but it's so different that it literally feels like you're watching a different franchise. Like, it doesn't feel like you're watching the same the same movie, you know what I mean? No, absolutely. And I think it was we were very lucky that Texas 2 was uh, helmed by Toby and was kind of his vision was put through it because 
there even though it's so wildly different there is this connection there is there is something that connects it to the first film without it trying to be the first film in any way shape or form that's probably what the problem is with the entire franchise is that they're trying to live up to this amazing film like imagine if there was a taxi driver universe you know the great robert de niro martin scorsese film and there was a taxi you know franchise excuse me and people were trying to like constantly live up to the original. That's what this that's what this whole franchise has been about. Just these these competing sequels that go, no, no, we'll be like the original. Or no, 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 we'll we'll take a piss on the original because you know, why not? Because because we're outlaws or whatever. Like it, it's it was such a weird thing where they're constantly just trying to compete with the original film. I think that's why it's completely unlike all the other uh, uh, horror franchises out there. This is a, a truly great movie, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I had to think to myself, like, maybe they should have just never touched it. Like, there are a lot of great films, like, you don't do a franchise of. Uh, even, like, The Godfather, like, uh, you know, there it has good moments and it has bad moments. Like, but if you just kind of sat with it, you're like, oh, this film is great. There's no, there's no sequel to Apocalypse Now, or at least there shouldn't be. You know, it's just it's amazing what was done with that film and they leave it alone. That's probably what should have happened with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But because that first film was so good, filmmakers were just trying to live up to it and fa and failed miserably. Like it text the original Texas Chainsaw in 1974 is lightning in a bottle. I can't be I can't I can't I will never be able to praise that film enough how good that film is. So I think I think ultimately the filmmakers are just it's a losing battle to try and be part of it. I think that's why I kind of appreciate the reboot, even though I thought the reboot was kind of boring. I appreciate that the reboot and Texas Chainsaw the beginning are at least they kind of just try to be their own thing. Like, yes, they 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 homage the original film, but they're really just trying to be their own thing. They're not trying to connect to it. They're not trying to say, OK, well, uh, we're the we're the very direct moments after the first film or they're, they're just going, no, we're just thinking about it in a different way. It, it failed at times and it succeeded at times. Uh, I, Andrew Brynjarski, fantastic Leatherface, but terribly underused, terribly underutilized. Um, and, and, the, and the reboot with Jessica Biel was rather boring, more of an action film than a horror film, um, and lost all of the sense of why it, it was great, lost all that social commentary. The social commentary is kind of brought back in that, in Texas Chainsaw, the beginning but again, you know, is it really even a horror movie? No, it's still kind of an action movie, kind of a revenge movie a little bit, an origin story in, in, in its own right. Um, this is just a lot of films trying to catch up with the original. Yeah, and listen, there's there's nothing, I mean, listen, you know, as great, and you mentioned The Godfather, you know, as great as The Godfather is, you know, a lot of people will tell you that Godfather 2 is better. Yes. I mean, I, I'm... Yeah. I would probably agree with that. Now, listen, this is going to be sacrilege to a lot of horror and sci-fi fans out there, but you know, as great as Ridley Scott's Alien was, and I agree, it's a fantastic film, and 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 really is, you know, a genre maker in and of itself. I prefer Aliens. I mean, Aliens, the sequel to you know the James Cameron. I mean, I love that movie, and don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean I don't like Alien. I just think Aliens. You know, when you talk about all the performances in that movie from Sigourney Weaver to Bill Paxton to, you know, Michael Bean, all the all the different performances in that movie, it's just so, so well done. And, and it's just, it's everything. Everything is in that movie. And I love Aliens. So you can take a great movie and sequelize it and, and, and not only make a great sequel, but you can you know, even you know, outperform the original. I mean, it, it can be done. Now, it's a... 
it's a rare trick. I mean, you know, like I said, you could look at every, you know, sequelized franchise in history and rarely does the second film or third film ever, you know, match the first, but you could say they're at least on somewhat equal footing or they at least carry on the franchise in a, in a noble way. Uh, even if you don't like the sequels as much as the originals with Texas Chainsaw, I, I, I agree in some ways when you say it set the bar too high. The original was so good. I agree with that. It was so good. But I think if if they had tried to carry it on in some form or fashion and, and really made it into like a true trilogy, and here goes Rewrite of the Living Dead, but if they had done yeah. something where, you know, they had done the first one, leave you know, what it is, you know, the girl escapes and that's it. And then, you know, maybe the second one is, you know, the, the police are out hunting for this family and they're trying to track them down to find out that you know it's really there and you know maybe it's another massacre maybe it's the police or maybe it's you know whoever's you know, maybe it's the posse hunting for the family and then the third one could literally be the family on the run and you know very you know what ended up being in devil's rejects uh in rob zombie's film where the family's on the run and eventually they do get caught you know that ends up being the film i mean that could have been a you know a whole completely different franchise than what we got here but as you said what every one of these sequels in some form or fashion does is either a try to live up to the original or b just try to duplicate the original they're just the same formula of you know people showing up they're 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 where they shouldn't be they get caught and then bad things happen and i understand that that works in the original but there's just so many different so many more layers to it than that to simplify it down to wrong place wrong time psycho family uh it just doesn't it just doesn't work that way it doesn't work as easily uh you know in any other film and they try to duplicate it and they try to rework it by adding in you know new crazy family members you know we joked about Texas Chainsaw 3D when they try to make a direct sequel and then suddenly there's like 80 Sawyers just like <laughs> popping out of the woodwork and we're like where the hell did these people come from but like yeah. and then you know every every movie tries to out crazy the next you know the second one had Chop Top which was a great character a great addition to the franchise Bill Mosley of course can chew scenery all day I love that guy but then you go to the third one you got you know Viggo Mortensen and the other character just kind of like trying to out crazy each other in a way and then you got Matthew McConaughey's complete lunacy in that in the fourth one and then when you get to the remake it's it's you know Arlie Ermey who is tremendous we praised him quite a bit you know for both of those movies the beginning and the remake he really does you know become that character and he does play like a really menacing kind of crazy you know kind of evil guy in those two movies very well and then again, you go back to you know, Texas Chainsaw 3D. Now it's the weird cousin anti-hero angle, which was bizarre. And then and then and, the, and then you go to you know Leatherface, where they tried to you know prequel it, and it, uh, it's not even worth trying to talk about that movie. It's oh, one of the most pointless films there. But uh, you get what I'm saying. Like they just try yeah. to they try to they try to like find a way to make that formula work again, and it just it never worked. Uh, it just never did. No, it never worked. Um, I loved your suggestion of making like a like a three movie trilogy that sort of, you know, wraps it all up in the end, like just end it, you know, treat it like a great movie franchise that it is. If you're going to go that route, you know, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? We're looking back on everything and saying, here's what would have actually made this interesting and fun. Um, you know, we got to also think of the context of the times. Uh, this is this is pre-franchise. This is post-80s horror franchises. Really, it only kicks off, you know, right down the middle of that time with Texas 2. Everything after that is after uh, horror franchises were ever popular. And so it just sort of fizzled out in that way. So I like that idea. I also like the idea of just what you said, too, was moving on. 
You know, so, okay, let, if you're not going to be the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, then move on from it in the next movie. Move on to a different thing. Don't try to be the original. You're not the original. Nothing can be the original. It just can't. In this instance, sorry, folks. Like, we're just not the original movie. So do something different now. Try something different this time. I guess you could say they did that with Leatherface, but I still feel like they were really trying to butt themselves up to the beginning of the 1974 film. That also was a mistake. You know, it just didn't work out. Like, and and it they tried to subvert. We talk about subversion a lot on this podcast with with horror films. They try to subvert expectations without any crafty storytelling, and it just totally like tanked. It was a it was a bad move. Yeah. But yeah, mo- but move on, move on from the original. You're not going to be it. Show me something new. Sh- just don't tie yourself to it. Like like that was the problem. Texas Chainsaw 3D might have worked in another universe if they had not tried to tie themselves to the end of the first film. Like they tried so hard to just be the end of the first film. It's like, why don't you just try to do something with Alexandra Daddario and a a new Leatherface or an old Leatherface or however you want to play it and just try something completely new. Uh, But they didn't go that route and it ultimately falls flat. Yeah. Now, again, we're going to, you know, we, we, of course, we've praised the original, you know, so much. And and, and that is such an incredible, you know, I'm not going to send here, I'm not going to sit here and, take the entire wrap-up show just you know us you know basically blowing the original <laughs> film because it is so it is so good and it does it sets itself apart so far but that that movie was so well done so well acted you know so well executed the the plot the dialogue the script the the everything was just great about that movie and so you know it's easy to praise that movie but then you go beyond that and there are good elements of other movies i mean like i said the addition of chop top and the second one was great. Yes, it was a much different yeah. film. It was definitely an 80s movie, you know, very much so. We talked about that quite a bit, how it was, you know, very much felt like an 80s movie. Uh, and so, you know, that is a much different movie. But but again, the addition of Chop Top was a fun character, and Bill Mosley really did chew the scenery. And even the Leatherface in that movie was, was similar, but also different enough to where you could understand some of the choices they made in that movie with him, with that particular character. And they added a little bit to him without actually trying to over, you know, overdo it with that movie. So there's good elements right. of that. Then you get into the third one. I think the addition of a Ken Foray. I love Ken Foray. Uh, right. He was definitely the highlight of that movie. And, and obviously, I think adding that little bit of element of, of you know, a survival issue, you know, that kind of thing, was a fun addition. And, and, and so there's an element of that. And the third one, you know, the third one really was, you know, it was almost like a carbon copy of the first one. And, and that, in a weird way, worked the best of all the other movies because they didn't veer so far off course in remaking it. You know, they basically remade it with, you know, a, a, a couple of, you know, a guy and a girl friends. And then they, you know, they injected Ken Foray into the mix as well. But ultimately the plot was very similar, wrong place, wrong time, caught up with a bad family, you know, Leatherface arrives and, and they're on the hunt. And that, I mean, they boiled it down to, to you know the simplest level of what Meg Texas Chainsaw great, but they didn't veer too off for, too far too far off course. Where then in part four they just I mean literally they just drove the train <laughs> off the tracks. I mean you know the whole introduction of a weird cabal that's like supposedly like in charge of the Sawyer fan. I mean it was just literally like the yeah, dumbest. And mind you. Part four is written and directed by the original writer of Texas Chainsaw 1974. Like wild deviation, the wildest deviation you could get. Yeah. And then, you know, with the remake, again, you know, there are elements of the remake in the beginning that I did enjoy. I mean, obviously, 
when you cast, you know, good actors, well-known actors, you know, that's one thing that Toby Hooper didn't have in the original 1974 version. It's not like he had named actors in there. Now, granted, I think the performances in that movie were tremendous. Obviously, Gunnar Hansen, we've praised him quite a bit on the show, but you don't know that you're going to get that. I mean, good Lord, yeah. you don't know that you're going to get that. You got named, you know. So the fact that in the in the, in the the remake, you know, they got Arlie Ermey, who is tremendous. They got Jonathan Tucker, who is tremendous. They got Jessica Biel for all her faults. She's not a bad actress. She's had great performances. I don't know that I really call that one of her better performances, but she yeah. is a solid actress. And so they got, like, real good people to play those roles. And, and, and in, the, in, the, in the beginning, I mean, Matt Bomer, I think he's tremendous. I really like him as an actor. I think he does a, a great job. Uh, and, and they, you know, they cast like, you know, very well in that movie. And then, you know, you go to 3D and, you know, again, Alexandra Daddario, that was one of her early roles, but I think she does a tremendous job in there. And um, maybe the others, maybe the supporting cast doesn't really pull their weight. But, but again, and then, I mean, you look at the, you look at the other one, you look at the, 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 the Leatherface for as much as I you know don't like that movie, Stephen Dorff. I mean, that guy's a tremendous actor. I love Stephen Dorff. I'm a huge Stephen yeah. Dorff fan. Finn Jones, who was in Game of Thrones at the time. I mean, you know, that's a, that's a pretty well-known name. Lily Taylor, who played the mother, Verna. You know, she's been in a lot of stuff I've seen. She's, she's, been, she's been grabbing. She's in High Fidelity. She's in a lot of other stuff. She's a, she's a solid actress. Uh, she was just in this past season of uh, Perry Mason on HBO, which is a great show. Uh, right. So, I mean, so that's the benefit that they had. And obviously, when you help launch the careers of Vigo Mortensen and, uh, and Matthew McConaughey and Renee, Z- Renee Zellweger, obviously, there's something good about those. So there are good parts of all the movies. It's just none of them live up to the original. And, and I don't think you have to live up to the original, but you have to come up with some reason for me to want to watch beyond it's just called Texas Chainsaw Massacre just because you stick Leatherface in there. And, and unfortunately... Outside of the original, none of them really captured my imagination even remotely close to the original. As much as I enjoy Chop Top in the second one, as much as I laugh and you know have some good times with Dennis Hopper going completely batshit crazy in that movie, uh, it's still it's still you know pales in comparison to the original. And when I say that, I understand that the the, the first one has set the bar impossibly, impossibly high, but. That being said, there are other franchises where I think there are quality sequels. I mean, yes, Halloween is is you know above and beyond the best one of the best horror movies of all time, and and it's also iconic because of what it did for the horror genre. But you know, I, obviously, I've mentioned before my love for Part Three, which I know has nothing to do with Michael Myers, but I love Part Three. I think Part Four is great the way they revamped the franchise and kind of reintroduced new characters. I actually really like H two O. I really like the the twenty eighteen version. So you know, you can do it. I've said I like before. The zombie version. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw, or excuse me, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Three: The Dream Warriors. That's my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street film. It's not even the first or the second one. That's my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street film. Is the third one. So it can be done. It can be done that you can make a quality horror sequel. Unfortunately, Texas Chainsaw Massacre didn't really do that. Yeah, you know, it makes me think about it when you go down the line with all of those. It almost seems like Toby Herp, excuse me, Toby Hooper with um, with Texas Chainsaw Two was sort of closing the loop. I, it really does when I when I examine that film, and now that now that we've looked at the entire franchise and everything that's come after it. He kind of closes the loop, right? Leatherface gets a chainsaw through the gut. Now, granted, he doesn't just keel over and die in that moment. He probably should, but it's pr- it's pretty clear that he will be and that everybody from the Sawyer family is going to die and, uh, for the most part, um, who, he stretches left in the end, stretches our, our heroine from the 
from from the Texas Chainsaw 2. It almost seems like he closed the loop right there. And then you get into like you know, a production company owning the rights and wanting to try to piggyback onto, the, you know, way late, by the way, because it started in the 90s when all the horror franchises had already made all their money in the 80s. Uh, some some company, I think it was, I can't remember the company that did uh, Texas, uh, Leatherface Texas 3, but they try to jump on, they try to, like what you say, they're basically just trying to do the first movie over again. They almost had a good movie. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 was almost a good movie. It was not a refined film. It was not well made. It was not a. It was not well directed. It was not well written. Um, but it had good ideas in it that probably could have kept the franchise going had a had a really great amount of people uh, joined joined the fray. And I can't remember if it was Texas 3 or Next Generation that actually had big names attached to direct. I'm talking Peter Jackson. Um, oh God, I wish I could remember. There was another name where it was just like, whoa, or like maybe Sam Raimi, somebody like that. Like names like that were attached to these Texas Chainsaw sequels and they always fell through. Something always fell through behind the scenes. There's a lot of what ifs. There's a lot of what ifs for those films. Those, if those two films had done better, had done, had, had, had better filmmaking behind them, you might have seen a franchise that would have taken off, like would have maybe even dominated the 90s because during the 90s, uh, guys like Freddie and Jason, uh, Freddie and Jason and Michael Myers weren't like lighting the screen on fire like they were doing in the 80s. They just weren't. Um, and then you get to those reboots. And we talked about those. Um, I think the reboot in general is kind of forgettable. Again, I, I do like Andrew Br uh take as Leatherface, but, you know, like, I, I don't know. They just... Tonally, they were way off. Both films were way off as much as they tried. And then you get into this $20 million movie. <laughs> $20 million, folks. That's not a number you hear associated with horror films ever. And they and they somehow vomited up Texas Chainsaw 3D. I don't know how that happens with $20 million. I just don't know how you do it. I don't know how you how you botch a movie that bad. But they they managed to do it. And uh and then we got we got into Leatherface, um, the the prequel in 2017 that's like a fairly refined it's refined filmmaking it looks like a good film with the worst the worst possible story put put to put to film i i don't know how they how they got those two things so so wrong together i, I don't know but maybe maybe i like looking over all this i do kind of wish that we had closed the loop at texas too as weird as that is to say i mean it's given me many episodes of podcasts that we've been able to do which is great but when you when i analyze everything i go oh man Maybe it should have just been Texas One and Texas Two. Yeah, there are elements, like I said, you know, we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. There's you know, pieces. there, there, are, there are elements of you know in almost all the movies that you could say they they had an idea or they had a character, they had something worth watching. Uh, you know, in some way, shape, or form. Like I said, you know, the first one, let's just take that one out of the conversation. The second one, the introduction to Chop Top. The third one, Ken Foray. The fourth one, I didn't mind, you know, the Matthew McConaughey character. I think that, you know, yeah. they spent so much time focusing on him. They just kind of forgot Leatherface is actually in the movie. Uh, <laughs> but his character was, you know, just deliciously evil. Like, I'm okay with that. And then, and it's obviously, scary. and obviously, again, we talk about, you know, Arlie Ermy in the, in the, in the, in the remake in the beginning great and then of course you know you go to 3d i think the introduction of alexander daddario her character that connection that was you know different and and again not a bad take they just went down a wrong road with it uh right. and then obviously leatherface which you know again great cast looks good as you mentioned doesn't look like a bad it's not badly directed or badly filmed uh it's just a bad plot and a really bad script 
uh, and, and, and the, you know, and that just ruins it. I mean, like I said, you could, I mean, there's lots of movies like that. I mean, you could look down yeah. the list of, you know, the greatest actors of all time. I mean, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, who I think is the best modern actor working today. I'm quite sure if I really dug into his list, I could find a couple of stinkers in there. And same thing with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino and all the greatest actors of all time. They don't always do The Godfather. They don't always do Heat. <laughs> you know, there are other movies on their resumes where you're like, what the hell were they thinking? Uh, so, yeah. yeah, so I mean, you can't, you know, it is possible to have, you know, good parts of bad movies. And you know, I think there's good parts of almost all these movies. There's just a lot of bad. And then you get to the ugly. And again, we've kind of, I know we've already kind of broken <laughs> it down here, but it's just like, you know, like I said, they just keep, they, they, they continuously make the same mistake over and over again. Either they try to duplicate the original and they do it badly, or they try to make it so original, like they did with Next Generation, where they introduced the weird cobble that's you know actually controlling the Sawyers, which went nowhere and was like so like watching the movie, I'm like, what in the hell is going on here? Like, what is this? <laughs> uh, and, and they just you know, and then like I said with the with the with the remake, you know, they had elements of good, but then. It just became a chase movie. Like you said, it just became yeah. an action movie. It became, you know, basically all the family going after Jessica Biel's character. And it just, it wasn't scary. It wasn't fun. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, like we talk about the uncomfortable moments of the first one and how the first one had almost zero gore in it. I mean, there was no blood, really. There was no, you know, really gory scenes to it. You know, that dinner scene, we talked about how uncomfortable that dinner scene was in the first one. They never even tried to duplicate. I mean, they they kind of attempted it in the fourth one, which was really bad. But like yeah. they try, you know, they they try to duplicate it in some way, shape, or form, and it just never worked. But then again, you get to the fourth, you get to the remake, and we talk about you know, like they cut off Leatherface's arm. It's just like uh, what, <laughs> like what is going on here? And so they just made so many weird choices, and in a, in, a, in a way, as bizarre as this sounds, Patrick, you know, this is our first franchise that we're tackling on Rewind of the Living Dead. And I'm actually kind of glad it was Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre because this is gotta be one of the most bizarre franchises in history because again outside of Leatherface you don't have a through line in any of these other movies really and and there's no general story there's no I mean literally there's only a couple of movies that actually have the same characters uh and, and so this is a really weird franchise even when you when you try to compliment it you know beyond the first movie <laughs> you're, you're still you're complimenting pieces you're not really complimenting yeah. the movie no, you know, we're at, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the one thing I can compliment all of the subsequent sequels on is the one thing they got right, all of them, whether they executed it correctly or not, that's another story. But I think all the sequels did indeed have this common thread is that if you run into the Sawyers, you are running into a, a group of mad people. They actually... You know, in the in the original film, you have the hitchhiker, who's the first kind of scary person you run into. We've talked about him, and it's a brilliant performance, and it's and is truly something that gets under your skin. But then you run into Leatherface, and that's a real big problem. You have this massive uh, ch chainsaw wielding killing machine, and then you have the cook, um, and 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 you have this like psychotic little group that is going to eat you. That's scary. At least whether the execution was good or not, at least every film after that understood that you need to have not, you can't just lean on Leatherface. It is about having a crazy family that you run into. That's what makes it treacherous. Now, I, I it's almost like, man, I wish they would have, like all these sequels would have leaned into that idea in a better way, in a better way executed. They didn't, 
but they did all have that. They they all even even Leatherface, which is the, uh, probably the one we panned the most, the 2017 prequel. They're still family members. You know, Verna is like probably the main family member, and then they have some weird takes on uh, on Drayton and stuff. But you understand that all the family members are something to reckon with. And uh, so I'll give I want to give the sequels that I don't want to just completely shit on all the sequels outside of Texas too because I did like Texas too. They all do. They they do manage to invoke that feeling, but you know, did they do it successfully? Not so much. Yeah, and here's the thing, you know, listen, I think what a lot of you know what goes wrong in a lot of these movies beyond you know they they try to keep it you know to again they they try to get down to the basics of you know in some of these movies you know wrong place wrong time wrong family that's you know if i'm trying to boil it down for you know a lot of yeah. these movies that's really what it comes down to and then you get into a lot of gore and a lot of you know going over the top with the kills and things like that and listen you know it's it's kind of like you know people who complained about the walking dead tv show at times are like you're not killing enough zombies and yes i understand you there are cool ways to kill zombies and you know, obviously they've come up with a million different creative ways to create and kill zombies on that show. But at the end of the day, you still got to have a story that makes people you know interested enough to tune in week to week beyond killing the zombies. And, and, and that ultimately is where all these movies you know, outside of the first and second one really come up short is because the story's just weak. The dialogue's not great. The script is not great. I mean, they just fall off. I mean, there are some really creative kills in a lot of these movies. There are actually you know solid interpretations of Leatherface, you mentioned Andrew Bruniarski. I thought he did a tremendous job. Yeah. That was a great casting, and then they did a great job. And like I said, I keep saying it over and over again. Adding Arlie Ermy was a great addition, man. That is really a, yeah, that is a guy who is who is maniacal. I mean, like I said, watch him in you know watch him in Full Metal Jacket, and tell me you're not just you know terrified of that guy being a drill sergeant, and he just takes it to a you know whole other level in those two movies. So like. Man, they did a good job casting him, and they did a good job writing for him because he's got some great lines in those movies. Uh, you know, and like like the one I talked about from uh, from the beginning, where he said, "What does he say? He's, uh, you're, uh, you know, if, are you going to eat? Or are you going to starve? You're going to eat a motherfucker." You know, like he's got some yeah. good lines in there. So there's elements. Like I said, there's elements where you can feel like they had something. They 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 did strike a chord. But then they, again, they just the the story and the script really come up short in almost every sequel, even part two. You could say, you know, you, you <laughs> talked about like your worst performance at moments was you know Dennis Hopper just going like completely over the top bizarre. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I said, you can you can go wrong, and then it just they never really write the ship. Like I said, the the the, the next yeah. generation film. You know, it was it was not a good movie in any way, shape, or form. But <laughs> but like they 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 tried to duplicate the element of the first, the wrong place, wrong time, wrong family, and then introducing the whole weird Cabal thing was just beyond stupid. Uh, and like I said, you know, there's elements where you're like, oh, okay, and then yeah. they get it wrong. And you're like, oh, maybe they're nope, they got it wrong. Oh, no, uh, uh, nope, they got it wrong. So <laughs> again, so yeah, they get they they have it. So like when I when again. It's a, it's, this is an impossibly tough franchise to really praise because the first one is so good. It is, it is one of the greatest horror films ever made, and it is one of the greatest films ever made. And then nothing really, everything after that really just you know, fails to, not, not even fails to live up to the original, just fails to, to create a worthy successor. Carino just... Again, yeah. I'm not, you know, a lot of people would say, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, the first one is, is the greatest and nothing really lives up to that. And they tried, they did a pretty good job of three, they did a pretty good job of four, but still doesn't live up to the original. Now, I disagree with that, but there's a lot of, 
you know, hardcore horror fans or hardcore film historians who would say number one is untouched, Halloween untouched, Friday the 13th with the twist is untouched. So I get it, and I don't disagree necessarily, but you can still eventually create worthy successors and find ways to introduce new characters or, or you know, reinvent the story a little bit to make it, you know, relatable and, and make a good film. And they just never really, they never really lived up to that. With the, and again, I keep mentioning like Alien and Aliens or Godfather and Godfather 2. It can be done. It absolutely can be done. I don't know that it could be done with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it can be done. In the right hands, you can make a great sequel. They just never did here. Now, Damon, truth be told that, yes, we have completed this franchise, but this franchise is not over. No. Blumhouse is, as we speak, filming their version of the Texas Chainsaw. I don't know if it's a prequel. I don't know if it's a sequel. They're keeping it way under wraps, but there is still another, there is another uh, uh, chapter in this franchise that's coming. And I'm actually really excited because Blumhouse, as you know, did the David Gordon Green remake of Halloween. I hear that they're circling Friday the 13th. That would be a great idea. I hear they're circling Freddy as well. Sounds like a good idea. What should we see out of this remake, Damon? Because what they did so smartly with uh, with uh, the David Gordon Green uh, uh, continuation, I should say, uh, of Halloween was they just they just kind of went from the first film and they and they created kind of a whole new story. They really did. They just they they said we're taking the the key characters, but now we're just following up. You had a brilliant pitch that it should be that if you were to do a Texas remake or not a remake or rather whatever whatever this is that Blumhouse is doing but you said your Texas sequel would involve uh Sally's daughter getting revenge on the Sawyers which I loved and I want to I want to say that like officially that's rewind of the living dead's like that's our position on what a remake should be but uh, I mean let's but let's be serious here for a second what do you want to see from a Blumhouse Texas chainsaw film well, first off, I don't want a remake. I don't want them to try to redo the original in any way, shape, or form. I give, doesn't seem I, to be like something they would do anyway. Yeah, I don't think that. So I think, again, the best way to do it is what they found where they showed the lighting in a bottle in a way that they found with Halloween. Now, again, I, I, there are elements of that remake or that reboot that I don't like because I actually like you know, elements of the sequels of Halloween. That kind of, it sure. kind of sucks that you just retconned, you know, uh, you know, Daniel Harris's character out of there. And I really liked her. Uh, but at the same time, I understand. And they also retconned the whole, you know, brother, sister thing out of there, which again, I, you can, some people say it's better. Others would say it's worse, but again, that was a choice they made. Uh, if you're going to make, uh, if you're going to reboot this, a, don't do a remake. Don't try to just do a, another version of the first film, even though at this point, you know, we're talking, it's over 40 years old, you know, you're, you just don't, just don't try to do it. You know, there's a reason why no one's ever gone back and tried to remake Godfather. You're never going to make it as good. It's never going to be successful. People are going to see right through it. Uh, and so don't do it. So my, uh, you know, I think they got to do the Halloween treatment. They got to make a direct sequel to the first one and, and, and find a way to connect it. Now, I don't know that when you say make a direct sequel, you're, you know, carrying on the story of Sally necessarily, from that first film and you know it's 10 minutes later because obviously the actors are all older you're not going to get the same guy playing Drayden you're not going to get Gunnar Hansen you're not going to get you know, any of that kind of stuff so 
you know, maybe you do, like I said, bring in the daughter. You know, if you do bring in a Sally Hardesty's daughter and, and that that's how you connect the films and you make it a revenge film. And then maybe, I mean, again, we're talking about franchises. Obviously, with Halloween, they did Halloween. Now they're doing two more, so they're going to do a full trilogy. It's hard to believe that they would just do one more film. But if you do my idea of, you know, Sally's daughter, you know, basically coming back from revenge and she wants to get captured by the Sawyer family, and then that's because she has this plan to, you know, to really, you know, get true vengeance on them that could be the second film then the third film you know it it maybe at that point leatherface actually does get away and the third film is her hunting down leatherface the authorities hunting down leatherface and maybe that's where you do find out there are other sawyers and that's where you can introduce i don't know i'm just saying like that 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 direct sequel idea works for me and if you do it well and you get a good director in there and a good writer in there it can be done uh, but I don't want to reboot. I, I, when I say reboot, I don't want to remake. I don't want. A, a, I don't want them to try to redo Capture the Magic again of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's just not going to happen. Not in this day and age. You're just not going to do it. So direct sequel would be my suggestion. What about you? Well, I think yeah, I think I'm with you. Direct sequel. I like the idea of re or introducing a couple of new stories because hey, why not? I mean, there would realistically. Okay, if you're if you're jumping on a sequel that however many years it takes place after the first one, they had to have caught some of those Sawyers and some of them went on the run. That makes sense. If Leatherface ends up on the run and and then he meets up with a Sawyer who's very much like the Arlie Ermy, which was fantastic, which was I mean, such a good character. And imagine and it's tonally different than the than the Sawyers from the first movie, so you don't have to like uh, you know, try to match the cook or the hitchhiker, but you have an Arlie Ermy, and then you have somebody like a hitchhiker or a chop top, some sort of hybrid of that, like another crazy, another unhinged uh, 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 Sawyer that that adds. Because again, in in the Texas universe, you need those these ancillary ancillary Sawyers to be the voice for Leatherface, right? He's a machine. He's a killing machine. He's he's this damaged human. Can't really speak. He's nonverbal, but 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 he he can kill with a chainsaw like nobody's business. So you got to have those two other wildly compelling characters. And if and if it ends up being a trilogy or something, you could kind of do that Devil's Rejects thing where it's like in the first one it's revenge, in the second one they're on the run, in the third one it's maybe the showdown, or maybe it's just those next two. Maybe you just do two more. Maybe you just do one more and you close the loop again, like what Toby Hooper tried to do. Maybe you do a Texas two where instead of it's stretch it is like sally's sister or something like that like i think there 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 are lots of options in here i'm a little concerned because apparently and it's nothing new they did replace the the they had a team of directors that that uh, they had and they replaced them they replaced them with a guy i hadn't heard of and i and i and his movie doesn't tick off any radars the movie that he had done previously so it's not like they got a david gordon green who has a track record who he's actually got a track record in comedy he's he does t- he ton he directs and writes a ton of great comedy but it's something about you know so does jordan peele and he made get out and it's a fantastic horror movie as well so there's nothing wrong with having a comedy guy come in i don't know this guy they have coming in i don't know the level of script they have coming in but i do know that blumhouse believes in quality horror films i do think they're going to give it their damnedest shot uh, you know will it i i think it'll be much better than the reboot or the beginning because they'll understand the tone they need to hit but I am curious to see what direction they go. I mean, the sky's the limit. They're, they really, if they're really just going to come right off of the first film and try something else, I say right off of, I mean, like, you know, they, retconning to get rid of all the franchise stuff that we've seen before, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. 
Yeah, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, I have faith in Blumhouse. They do, you know, they do tend to do a pretty good job, and they take they take things more seriously uh, than what you've seen a lot of other you know studios do with with uh, with horror franchises. So yeah, I do have a bit of faith there. And, uh, and again, they know how to make good, scary movies. And ultimately, that's what you want out of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You want a good, scary movie. And unfortunately, none of the real sequels achieved that. So maybe Blumhouse can. Uh, before we get out of here, Patrick, we're going to close out our, our Texas Chainsaw, our last episode in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. And what better way to do that than with our rankings of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre yes. franchise from top to bottom. And let me tell you, that bottom's pretty deep. <laughs> Uh, we're going to rank them from top to bottom. Now, we're just going to say ahead of time, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original 1974. I have a hard time believing neither one of us are going to rank that anything other than number one. That being said, we're actually going to go from the bottom to the top. So we're going to give our pick for the last and then go all the way to the first. So I, do you think we should alternate? Do we should, is that how we should do it? Okay. So let's start off with our bot, the bottom of the barrel, scraping at the bottom of the barrel, man, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the very end of the list. The, the of the eight films, number eight, uh, with a bullet, so to speak. Uh, what is your what is your bottom of the barrel of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise? Despite its fantastic uh, cinematography, direction, and acting and casting, uh, nothing beats a bad story for your last uh, place. So I gotta go with the Leatherface from 2017. Just a god awful story of a half half ass twist. I mean, a a quarter ass twist. Like, they didn't even try. They just thought it'd be cute to, like, throw a twist at the very end that had nothing to do with the the, the film leading up to that point, making the film completely innocuous, completely inert. Um, yeah, Leatherface was a complete waste of my time. So, sorry. Leatherface 2017, out the door, last place. And that's also my last place. Uh, <laughs> and, and just to be clear, we did not check lists before no. the show started. We were doing this. We do this separate of each other, so we don't do that. Uh, so, yes, Leatherface 2017 was also at the bottom of my list. Uh just just horrendous. I mean, literally the most pointless movie in the entire franchise. They didn't need to make it, and then the, the decisions they made in that movie were so bad, and then the, the stupid twist just it irritates me. Like, I don't want a movie to irritate me. That irritates me. Like, I was just like, this is, this is literally the dumbest decision you could have made in this movie. So, yeah, you get the bottom place. You get the last place in our Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. Moving on up to list at number seven. Not quite the bottom, but still near the bottom. What did you have? there i had to go for also titled leatherface the texas chainsaw massacre part three uh i now i love ken foray but he couldn't save this movie from being absolutely flat it was just a boring movie the sawyers in it are boring they're like for all their maniacal behavior one is too comical one's too underplayed one plays the background he he had like the most potential it was um uh, i can't even remember the name of the character it was like not stitch but it was something like that uh, he the most interesting of the Sawyers. They never they he played the he played the middle so poorly. It just everything falls flat. You never remember the main characters. You can care less what they're going through. Uh, uh, Leatherface is in a in a in a crutch. He can barely attack you. Um, yeah, I mean outside of Ken Foray, I love Ken Foray. He's my number one. Uh, but <laughs> sorry, Leatherface uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre three is my number seven. 
Yeah, my number seven is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Uh, it could have easily been at the bottom because that movie is so bizarre. And as much as I love Matthew McConaughey, he is one of my all-time favorite actors. And Renee Zellweger is fantastic as well. Uh, I don't follow her career as closely as I do Matthew McConaughey, but... They're both fantastic actors, but everything about this movie was wrong. I mean, you obviously, give credit where credit's due for you know introducing Vilmer as you know a potentially good villain, but a good villain in a bad movie is still a bad movie. And every choice they made in this movie was bad. It was it, there were moments where I was like falling asleep and like just like can I fast forward to this? And then introducing the weird cobble. I mean, that just ruined everything for me. Not that not that the movie would have ranked much higher without that, but then you introduce the weird guy coming in in a limousine who's actually controlling the Sawyers. And it's just, it's so, it's so pointless. And yeah, just, there's, I mean, there, it, I, I'm, I'm the only thing that, the only thing that came out of that movie is we could talk about that being one of the first films of Matthew McConaughey and Renee, Renee Zellweger's career outside of that. There's nothing memorable about that movie. So that ends up being at the, at the near the bottom for me, uh, up at number six, what do you got at number six? Number six for me is actually next generation. So, <laughs> I, I, the reason I pick it, I, I put it above Leatherface Three, is because uh, Matthew McConaughey has moments of brilliance, like really weird. I did not expect that, but it just goes to show he's kind of always had the chops. Granted, there's a lot that uh, you know I would like to put on the chopping block in terms of what he puts out in that film. But there were moments where he was genuinely kind of scary and creepy. Uh, he's he might be the creepiest Sawyer that isn't Leatherface. Um, and sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for bad reasons. Uh, I do like the hitchhiker and chop top better, uh, and the cook better, but, and Arlie Ermey better. So yes, uh, believe me, he, he ranks behind all of them, but I thought he did a good job. I thought Renee Zellweger did a decent job. She had a, she had a bad, uh, her, her, her lines, her, her part of the script's not great, but what I, why I ranked this over Texas three, Texas three is terribly boring. Next generation is super weird and a lot of convoluted shit, but at least I could turn around and go, Hey babe, look at how dumb this part is watch this this is crazy. like i i wouldn't do that with with texas 3 but i would do that with next generation i go watch this wacky shit right here watch this happen and then you'd watch that and you can walk away after that that's all so that's why i put it that uh, uh, between those two that's why i put it above yeah my number six i put texas chainsaw 3d um you know there are you know the the, the trying to turn the franchise from a horror into an anti-hero was really a, it's a choice now I don't like the choice. I give him credit for trying to make a choice to kind of switch things around. And, and again, you know, it's it's not my idea of, of a good idea with this movie, but at least they try it. I did like the introduction of Alexandra Daddario's character. I thought she did a tremendous job. And I'm a big fan of hers. Uh, but, you know, they tried to turn this into a 2000s horror film where, you know, they kind of, you know, they, they, they tried to follow a bit of the, a bit of the scream formula, not scream in terms of like, who's the killer, but like just kind of like the slick younger cast and, and it just yeah. didn't work. And, uh, you know, there were elements, like I said, of it that I enjoy, but you know, with, with a, with a winner of a line, like, you know, go get him cuz or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, 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 the movie's a mess outside of that. And, and yeah, I just, like I said, they made a choice, and I appreciate that part of it. They didn't just try to make a carbon copy of all the other movies, but the choices they made were just not not good. So, yeah, number number, <laughs> number six. Uh, what about number five? Where is number five? We're getting towards the towards the good side of the, of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. My number five is Texas Chainsaw 3D, oddly <laughs> enough, but... 
it's one of the few movies that I've actually seen twice. So I kind of have to give it credit. I'm like, oh, I've seen Next Generation like in pieces multiple times. I've only watched it ever once full through for this podcast. Texas Chainsaw I've seen twice for this podcast because I had to get on paper what I was watching. It was absolutely bizarre. The choices are bizarre. It's strange. It's poorly acted in a lot of places. Um, but I do appreciate Alexander Daddario's character. I appreciated what they tried to do with the story. They should not have tried the uh, the anti-hero the uh, thing with 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 Leatherface that was terrible. But why it ranks so high for me? Because what the other films uh, that are behind it, Next Generation and Leatherface, they don't deliver anything like anything that I can I can grab onto that I can bite onto. What Texas Chainsaw 3D does give me is ridiculous gore, like ridiculous gore. It's also ridiculous and a ridiculous movie and a ridiculous script and ridiculous acting and blah, 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 ridiculous budget, et cetera, et cetera. But the goal or the gore, excuse me, the gore was fantastic in this movie and kind of relentless. Like some of the goriest stuff you will see in the entire uh, in the entirety of the series. So I had to give it that. I go, you know what? This is what's going to put it over something like a next generation or a, or a tech history yeah my number five was the texas chainsaw massacre remake from the early 2000s starring jessica beale and jonathan tucker and andrew brzezarski who we talked about and of course arlie ermy uh there were elements of this movie that i did enjoy there were choices they made obviously i didn't enjoy they they really tried to go down an action movie route instead of a really scary movie route they almost felt like at moments the the people in the movie who were supposed to be in peril weren't really in peril which is kind of defeats the point you know when you're trying to remake a classic where you know you literally are terrified for every moment of what happened what's happening to sally uh you don't really get that in this movie but again there are some good performances here arlie ermy as we said was fantastic they did find a worthy leather face which was a big problem in almost every other texas chainsaw movie beyond the original uh so you know kudos to them for that uh but they just made a lot of bad choices and 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 a lot of weird story decisions in this movie and it really just became a chase movie at the end it ended up being just basically a, just a 35 minute chase movie at the end with Leatherface chasing Jessica Biel's character around you know in and around the, the Sawyer you know uh mansion which is really what that is in that movie it's not a house it's a freaking mansion uh you know so yeah so again uh, there were elements I, there were elements and choices they made that were not bad. There was a lot they did wrong, but yeah, I, I, I put that at number five and you know, that's not a high praise, but you know, it's not full on the bottom. Uh, number four for you. What is your number four ranked Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie? Weird how this is working out. It's the Texas reboot with Jessica Biel. Um, you know, for all the reasons you just mentioned, Arlie Ermey, fantastic, and Andrew Brynjarski, worth watching. If you're a Jessica Biel fan, you'll probably like this movie. You know, like, like I, I think the Jessica Biel crowd is a different crowd, and this is probably a safe entry for that crowd into a horror film, like, because it's not really a horror film, it's an action film. But, you know, listen, Daniel Pearl, the original cinematographer, was back. Uh, he created a different look that was a little bit slicker, so, okay, I wasn't in love with that. But it was a, it was a put-together movie. Like, I at least felt like... Okay, it didn't it didn't work for me tonally or anything like that, but everything execution wise was at least done to to satisfy like I'm sitting down and watching a movie, which I can't say much about anything behind it. Texas Chainsaw 3D, pretty rough movie for having a massive budget. Next Generation, a little too wacky. Leatherface 3, super boring. Leatherface 2017, come on, we hate that movie. This is the only one that it sits above the rest of them because it's not so terrible like all the ones behind it. Yeah. 
Yeah, kind of a backhanded compliment. Yeah, it is. It is a bit of a backhanded compliment. <laughs> uh, for my number four, I went with uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning, the the prequel to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Ironically, the beginning was better than the remake, and, and there were a lot of elements at the beginning that I didn't mind. Uh, obviously, again, letting Arlie Ermey chew as much scenery as he possibly can, I enjoyed. Uh, again, the reintroduction of you know Andrew Brynjarski as Leatherface continued that chain of, of, of events and, and actually was a solid performance. Uh, I actually, as you mentioned, uh, a lot during our review of that movie is that, you know, they actually, you know, they, they allowed the, the lead character to make a choice, you know, uh, uh, in that movie, you know, the lead character, the, the girl who, who gets away, you know, she has a chance to just run away and leave her friends. She makes a decision to go back and try to save them. Obviously it doesn't work, but Jordana Brewster did make a choice in that movie. And so there were elements of that, uh, you know, in that movie. So I did enjoy parts of it. But again, you know, it, it felt unnecessary. It felt, you know, uh, a lot of the story choices were kind of overdone. They, they made so much of the whole, you know, going into the service thing. Like the whole draft dodger thing was really weird. And like, I don't know what, like, I, it, it, didn't, it didn't really fit with the Texas Chainsaw Master. Like, that's the reason why they're going to get so pissed off at these kids. Uh, especially considering how unpopular the Vietnam War is now. Uh, you know, yeah. so uh, they made a lot of choices with that kind of stuff where you're kind of like, what? But yeah, so there are elements at the beginning that I didn't mind, uh, and, and I would put that at my number four. Uh, now we're getting into the cream of the crop, Patrick, the top three. The top three movies of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. I have a feeling I know what number three is for you. <laughs> Can you guess? Can you see the pattern? Yes, my number three is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginning, starring Jordana Brewster. Um, I, you know what I thought it was? I thought it was a great re at what they did with the Beal remake. They were like, you know what? We didn't quite get that right. Let's try it again. They tried it again. Everything about it was better than the reboot. Um, just there's there's more violence. It felt more like a horror film. You got a little bit more Leatherface in that one. Um, you know, the focus on Arlie Ermey's character I thought was a little stronger overall. Uh, more gore, everything. It just felt more like a horror film. And um, you know, ultimately, I, I loved actually loved the cinematography in that one. I, that that's might be my favorite cinematography outside of the original. Uh, the original is like very docu style, but yeah, uh, Texas Chainsaw: The Beginning was to me outside of the first two Toby Hooper movies the only movie I could say was legitimately a decent enough decent enough to be actually part of the franchise universe yeah my number three is going to be a surprising because here's where we did alternate this was at the bottom of your list it's actually number three for me and that is leatherface the texas chainsaw massacre Ooh. three and the reason i put this at number three couple reasons one they did basically try to make more or less a carbon copy of the original, but they didn't they didn't divert off course so badly that it ruins the movie like they did in Texas Chainsaw 4, where, you know, Next Generation, where they just introduce all kinds of bizarre storylines and, and it's really bad, you know, everything all around. Now, obviously, I don't think number three is a great movie overall, but what they did do well is the introduction of Ken Frey as a, as a, as a character, as a a leading man, I guess you could say was a great introduction. Mm -hmm. He's a phenomenal actor. And I think that is really the saving graces movie per plus one other part. I really like about Texas chainsaw three is they actually make Leatherface a worthy villain again. You know, they, they, they completely forget about him in part four. And then, and then because Arlie Ermey chews up so much scenery and he's great. I'm not, you know, I'm not disputing. He's a great, a great character in those two films, but Leatherface kind of takes a, a step back. Like he doesn't feel like the lead guy, the, 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 the killer. He doesn't feel like the machine 
in those movies to me anyways because Arlie Ermy is such a such a menacing you know well done menacing character and they actually do a solid enough job in part three of, of presenting Leatherface as a good killer and then again you know like I said the Sawyers are, are mostly forgettable in that movie I mean Viggo Mortensen's character at the beginning is is good enough but then the the guy the the the, the gas station attendant I just wish they would have forgot him but at least he gets killed at the end so it is a satisfying conclusion for him um but yeah it's not I mean I'm not gonna sit here and say it's a good movie but what they did well with that movie is they just they more or less made a carbon copy of the original for the most part and while it's not as good at least they didn't divert and veer so far off course when it was over you're literally sitting there thinking what the hell did I just watch uh (laughs) And that, and that to me is a win with this franchise because so many of the other movies, I'm like, what the hell did I just watch? Uh, so that I will get plus gotta be honest. I got to rank it in here. The trailer for that movie. I mean, come on the the Excalibur, the, the, the the chainsaw coming out of the lake. I mean, come on that, that, that gets you a few bonus points right there for that one. So and uh, I'll I'll also add on to your thing. You know, I obviously I ranked it way behind yours because I found it just boring. Like I didn't want to ever you know, revisit it again, but I, but I will give it uh, some more positives based on what, obviously we mentioned Ken Foray. We love Ken Foray here. Um, but also too the heavy metal soundtrack. Yeah. I like, cause I'm a metal head and I was like, dude, there's all this heavy metal going on in this film. Like for whatever reason, I totally loved that, but it wasn't enough for me to ever like want to revisit this film. Yeah. So now number two, of course, that leaves us down to the top two and we both are going to agree. Number two is going to be the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Uh, which was, I assume that's number two. I assume it didn't top number oh, one. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, again, solid entry into the franchise. Chop Top Bill Mosley being introduced is a great addition. The the final girl in this movie did a solid enough job. Dennis Hopper, I mean, like I said, I commented on that episode. When you get Dennis Hopper in the same year they made Blue Velvet, I mean, geez, like, again, <laughs> maybe not his best performance, and, and Dennis Hopper <laughs> definitely had some hit, hit or miss moments in his career, but the fact that you got this guy at the same time he was making Blue Freaking Velvet, one of the greatest films, in my opinion, one of the greatest films of all time. Uh, when you got that guy in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, and, and again, you're introducing at least a you know a loose connection to the original along with the revenge plot, which we talked about with you know Devil's Rejects works so well. Um, yeah, not obviously it's not as good as the original, but they do... They do make a solid enough movie, and it's a movie that I would go back and watch again. And I can honestly say I don't know that I'll ever go back and watch any of the other ones again. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be revisiting anything outside of the top two again. Um, you, you know, let's let's revisit again. Your boy, Bill Mosley, is Chop Top, like a worthy successor to The Hitchhiker. Again, tonally, like what a what an interesting parallel because he is tonally very different than The Hitchhiker from the original film, but still carries a lot of his essence and just and adds on that Bill Mosley wildness. And then he's got the, the infected steel plate in his head and, and he's completely menacing. Like, yeah, th- this and then this movie is totally 80s, which, listen, this horror podcast, you can't be a horror podcast if you don't absolutely love your neon lights, your bad hair, your bad clothing, uh, you, you know, the the synth soundtracks. You get all of that in Texas, too. And you get the corpse of the hitchhiker. We we discovered that in our episode from Texas, too. <laughs> that, that's actually the hitchhiker from the original is the corpse that they kind of drag the Sawyers drag around with them everywhere. I loved that element. I loved learning about that. It's this fun, weird, different take. 
an amusement park ride. Sometimes, literally, uh, Stretch goes down a, a weird, gigantic, long slide into the depths of this hellish uh, layer that the Sawyers have built under an old, uh, like, water park or some shit. I can't yeah. remember what it was. Wacky, weird film. Makes a bunch of weird choices, but it still has Toby Hooper at the helm, folks. And let's be honest, this guy, what Toby Hooper managed to do at that time in his career, that kind of span... That, that 10 year span, 10, 11, 12 year span, um, it shows in this film. He's got directing chops. It's something, it's a completely different take. He goes in a different direction. And like I said earlier, I think he like intended to close the loop there and he sort of did in his own way. Uh, yeah, I mean, Texas too. I, there's no chance any other films behind it were ever going to leapfrog it. Yeah, and let's not forget, they also brought back the same actor for Drayton Sawyer, which is That's a nice right. touch. They actually brought back him. So it was it was much more interconnected than any of the other movies. Then a little again, wackier, but yeah, yeah, he was back. Yeah, he was back. He was winning chili competitions, but he was back. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, number one, you know, cannot be touched, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 1974 film. Uh, just a, a tour de force. Just everything right about that movie. Uh, even the moments when we talked, when we tried to critique the movie, it just really was minor details that we critiqued, and that's only because we were kind of forcing ourselves to critique that movie. Uh, it's scary, it's terrifying, it's uncomfortable, uh, it's everything you want in a great horror film. And the thing that, the, and again, I'm not going to sit here and rehash this because we already did an entire episode where we praised this movie. But it really, it, it combines so many elements of horror. You know, it's it's got good jump scares. It's got, you know, it, it doesn't have a lot of gore, which is kind of the one, I guess you could say, if you like gore, that's the one, you know, kind of missing element of a slasher film is the gore. But it didn't really need it. And, and there's no. some really uncomfortable moments. There's some terrifying moments. Uh, the acting is well done. The direction is great. It's gritty. It's grimy. Uh, it feels, I mean, obviously it was actually filmed in the 70s, but it actually looks like it. You know, unlike the remake when they filmed it in California and called it Texas, <laughs> this actually looks, you know, like it was made in the 70s. Obviously it was, but I'm saying it looks grimy. Yeah. It looks dirty. Very, again, it's a classic. It can't be touched. If, if this is an eight-man race, uh, the original Texas Chainsaw from 1984 is Usain Bolt, and the other seven are like a slug, a turtle, a puppy dog, uh, a, a picture frame, you know, like some paint. Like they just they can't touch it. Like they just can't touch it. There's no chance. Um, it was really just ranking the rest, and we all know uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1974 is – you know, I think it will go down in history maybe as the top film of Rewind of the Living Dead. I'd love to see if we can find something that will top it in terms of everything that it's able to do. And like, again, I think you could just go to a theater, like a, like a one screen theater with a, with a mixed group of people. They could sit down and watch it and some will be so absolutely appalled and terrified by what they see because it feels real. It feels like a documentary and and it, and it really it, it to me it touches on elements of society that we don't want to look at um in in its own sick and twisted and weird way and uh and it it produced some incredible iconography which is leatherface i mean we love we love that leatherface from 1974 and we all like worship at the altar of that leatherface despite the fact that there are seven sequels 
um, Gunnar Hansen did something with that character that just no one else is able to do, and it's he kind of like opened and shut the book in one move. It's so weird too because when you think about other great horror franchises with the slasher genre, you think like you could never imagine anyone else playing Freddy Krueger beyond Robert England, and obviously at some point they're going to recast that. They try it with Jack Earl Haley, who is a good actor. I think Jack Earl Haley is a great actor, but they just it was a bad casting for that movie. I mean, every there were so many things wrong with that remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, but you know, I thought originally I was like, yeah, he's a good crew, but it's just there's something that that there's a certain element of charm and, and terror and terrifying that you give with Robert England, and then obviously Kane Hodder is so iconic as Jason, even though he didn't come along until later in the franchise, but you kind of identify Kane Hodder as the definitive Jason again, even though he wasn't in the original, the early films. And then, you know, again, with Texas Chainsaw, it was Gunnar Hansen and everybody else. I mean, that's really what it came down to. And he only did it once. He only did this yeah. role one time, but it was so good. He set the bar so high. Uh, even Andrew Berniarski, who we complimented, just, again, good, not great, and good, not Gunnar Hansen. And and that's, and so, yeah, so it's hard to live up to. So, yeah, this is going to, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, is going to go down as one of the top-rated films of all time on this show because we both agree about it. Now, obviously, we'll we'll have other. You know, I, I I've said again. I don't want to keep hammering the same nail, but uh, I've said a million times. Devil's Rejects is probably my favorite horror film of all time. When we finally get to that one day, uh, you will hear me just slobber all over that movie because <laughs> I love everything about that movie, uh, and I know you like that one too. So that I might guess. you know that might be a movie where we actually do you know praise it, but. You don't get Devil's Rejects without Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, you know, it kind of comes back to this. So, like I said, we'll see if anything ever talks. It may. I mean, like I said, we haven't gotten into There's a lot of great. We haven't talked about The Exorcist. We haven't talked about a lot of horror films. So, we will get to those. and We may praise something else on equal level to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But in terms of our first 20-some-odd episodes of this podcast, nothing has come close to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Nope. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, folks. We want to say thank you for tuning in this entire time. Uh, it was fun to break down the entire Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. Please, please, please. If there's another franchise you want us to tackle in the near future, and we will be tackling more, uh, eventually, maybe all of them, depending on how you know sadistic we are to ourselves. Uh, if we actually <laughs> want to watch all the Leprechaun movies, uh, but yeah, so no. we, we <laughs> so we we will we will listen to your suggestions if you have, and that's exactly how this started. Somebody really wanted us to review Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We started there and we said, you know what? Why don't we just go ahead and do the entire franchise? So if there is a franchise okay. out there you want us to tackle, please hit us up. You can follow me on Twitter at Damon Martin, and you are at Director Patrick. There you go, folks. This has been the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. Go back and listen to all the episodes if you want to hear us break down and talk about each individual movie. And thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you check us out on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you check us out on Spotify. And we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. The Saw is family. Family.